Hello, welcome to Influence Weekly, The Takeaway, with your host, Andrew Camphy. This week is a weird one because most people, at least most people in uh, influencer marketing or at least in the video section of uh, influencer marketing were at VidCon last week. So slow news week, but we had a full newsletter and um, I'm not going to go through everything because this is the takeaway. This is where I uh, go through the news of the week from last week, go through the newsletter. If you have not got it, you should sign up for my other newsletter that's actually not audio version. That's Influence Weekly. You should get that on Friday and you get this on Monday. And I cherry pick the most interesting stuff of the week or the rapid fire stuff. Um, slight format change today. Um, usually what I do is I go through in the order in which they are in the newsletter. So it's like great reads and some like big sort of interesting data and then some people that are interesting and then some news. Today, we're going to go through the news first, rapid fire headlines, and then we're going to go into um, a couple of the people that are featured this last week, and then some deep, interesting news. So um, not the headlines of the week, but just the absolutely most interesting news of the week was um, TikTok owner, ByteDance, hits 1.5 billion monthly users. Um, what I found interesting about this article, actually, that's sort of the headline and the only inf information you really need is that they've hit 1.5 billion monthly users across their apps. And they have plenty. This is TikTok. This is um, um, Buzz, um, Buzz Video. Um, there's, there's a couple of other smaller apps there. But what was like sort of frankly... Um, I don't know how to call it, but like sar not sarcastic, but but qu quirky about this writing was that TikTok or, or ByteDance rather, they only like a month ago announced that earlier this year they had a billion monthly users. And now fairly quickly they're saying, well, well now right now we have 1.5 billion monthly users. So um, a little tricky because the headlines literally a month ago were – 1 billion users, and now the headlines less than a month or a month later is 1.5 billion, yet they actually took six months to get there. Um, great news across their apps. I think this is a bit of a PR, interest, interesting PR uh, move on their part, but we'll see what happens. How fast How fast do they get to 2 billion? Um, because that's what they seem to be on the um, um, path to. Um, the Q, India, launches influencer marketing business in India with their first uh, uh, campaign. Um, really interesting news because India has relatively been uh, difficult for outside um, um, agencies and outside companies to work in. Um, but I, I know plenty of Indian um, companies that are in influencer marketing, a lot of readers, probably listeners of this podcast. Um, and the Q India joins them and looks to be um, off to a great start. Um, next up, Little Red Book tightens influencer policy to spur growth. Um, what that means is that they um, restricted the information, uh, the um, um, follower numbers that you need to have. So um, under the new policy, basically, um, they, basically they certify, so, so Little Red Books sort of, if you don't know, certifies themselves who are brand partners and they call them brand partners. And they say, those are the, we verify that these 
creators on our platform can work with brands. And you must have at least 5,000 followers and maintain an average of 10,000 views per post over the past month. Um, it is a, it's said to be a dramatic change over the previous requirements. Um, and what is sort of the most interesting part of this is that under the new policy, only 4,000 of the 17,000 previously certified influencers would qualify as brand partners. Um, so they're shrinking the amount of people that can, that they're certifying or verifying, sorry, verifying. But um, what that may end up doing is driving more newer brands because of brand safety. Um, this, this is, you know, obviously in conjunction, not conjunction, but is clearly goes keys back to uh, YouTube's uh, monetization and, and partner program shrinking. So um, if and when Instagram ever uh, takes control or does anything with the con the transaction between influencers and um, brands, we'll see this as well there, I believe. Um, next up is Instagram's new creator accounts. Oh, there, there, was, um, <laughs> there was a great article about what marketers need to know about these. And, and a couple of the interesting things um, that I noticed in this article um, and I noticed because I personally have a creator account as well is um, it shows you their growth and um, daily growth. And it also shows you turn. So it shows the number of uh, followers you've gained and lost in that single day. Um, it shows it in a quirky little sort of weekly chart with green and red lines. Um, and that's something that I think marketers could use if needed Um to see certain aspects of, of someone's growth or see if um, if they're saying something about their growth. You know, in communication with creators, marketers could utilize these creator accounts. And, cre and, and a lot of creators can utilize these creator accounts and screenshots of these in their discussions with marketers. Um, and last up is uh, what actually counts as good engagement for influencer marketing? So I pretty much buried this one in the... In the um, in the news, and this is one of the most interesting articles, data-wise, because um, what this is, it's over on TubeFilter, and uh, it's a Creator IQ, which is an influencer platform, did some uh, analysis on. Um, they broke up uh, four sections of creators or, or influencers, and they said nano, micro, medium, and mega. Um, and they said, what is the engagement of these kinds of creators? But they didn't stop there. They also broke it down by platform. They said, what's the same types of creators on Instagram versus YouTube versus Facebook versus Twitter. What is their engagement rates? What is good? Um, and what, unfortunately, what usually happens is that average and good are, are used in replacement of each other. So this report actually talks about the average engagement rates. And so, but let's let's be honest here and, and let's be very specific. And, and, and is that average means the middle, right? Um, average is a, a pretty overall bad way to like set precedence but in this case it's really good data point to compare these things and i'm actually what what again the article actually went into really well is to point out that most people will will look at this like nano versus micro versus medium versus mega and make some like analysis from that but we look but the article pointed out is like look at the differences between the um platforms YouTube for engagement rate blows the other ones out of the water. Um, at a maximum over at nano size at 6.7% and minimum, their minimum average on here, which is the mega influencers is a, is a 4% engagement. So 
um, the only better engagement than the worst YouTube engagement was Instagram's Nano engagement, which is 4.4%. And it goes down. Mega uh, influencers on Instagram are averaging 0.7% engagement. Now, obviously, there are some very creative differences here, right? Instagram is a broadcast format. YouTube think you believe is a broadcast format, but it becomes a, at least when you have a very good engaged audience, it becomes a conversation over the course of many, many types of posts and content, especially with stories now on YouTube and um, comments. There's, there's a whole different story in the comments sometimes versus the video, but consider this is that the mega, the mega influencers and creators on, on YouTube are doing just as well as engagement rate as nano influencers on Instagram. And that, you know, an Instagrammer, even if you have 10 K and up um, uh, followers, your average engagement rate is well under 3%. I think about, I would say over a year ago, I heard um, not many influencer agencies will have a minimum percentage of engagement that they'll work with someone. But I do remember that for um, said, on their YouTube channel that they have a minimum of 3%. And I would, can, I would think that would be lowered now um, looking at these engagement rates and looking at also another, um, another article in the uh, newsletter this week about engagement rates continually going down over the last two years or three years. Um, so maybe that 3% minimum is down to like 2.5, 2% maybe. If I'm looking at this, you know, 1.8% is the average if you have over 100,000 followers on Instagram. That means 2% is good. Two <laughs> 3% is great. Um, and this might be old news to you, um, and it is old news to me, but I, I still sort of have to say this, is looking at these charts on this on this um, graph on this creator IQ um, information, Facebook and Twitter engagements are well under 1%. Um, and obviously this is based on, calculations are based on their follower count or page like count. And, and, the, and the big difference I think I need to point out, and a lot of people don't sort of, don't point this out, is that um, these platforms have been around now for 10 years. And these numbers, the number of followers is cumulative. Yet the engagement percentage is something that's based on like a monthly active users or daily active users at times, because sometimes, um, especially on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you're not necessarily looking back 30 days previously. Um, I know in my influencer campaign time on, on YouTube, we did look back 30 days and we did look at, you know, different growth patterns uh, versus what their, um, what, what kind of engagement rates they were making or view rates they were getting. So it might be really, really helpful, especially on Instagram, just to check back um, that the engagement rates are not necessarily based on the existing number of followers, that if they did have high growth in the last 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, that they may have much less active users um, or might be more. You never know. Um, so that was that was a little bit more than you probably expected of analysis from me because um, I know this is a auditory um, uh, format you're listening to and you probably don't have access to this chart right now, but I would recommend going and checking out this Creator IQ chart on TubeFilter um, and to see what your own analysis is. Um, those are my big takeaways, at least.
Um, so moving on to, there were some interesting people and a little bit of a tiny um, trend I saw was, was the idea of turnkey. I'm seeing, I've heard of this in the past anecdotally from different types of new adventures, but just this week, two things in this, in this newsletter. One is um, I, he- I heard about Joe Casanova, who is considered an influencer whisper. I'm using air quotes. You can't see me. And um, a fashion startup repping influencer brand, influencer brands in Australia, um, two separate stories, but they both involve companies and people who have created a turnkey solution directly for influencers. Um, the Australian one is a fashion startup who they they did the logistics for themselves and realized, oh my God, this is so hard. And now what they're doing is they're actually uh, helping influencers create their own brands where they're designing activewear, marketing it, setting up the e-commerce site, they're stocking orders, shipping and fulfilling customer service. No, last year Fanjoy came in big, um, but I'm so excited to see more and more examples examples of this, especially niche down and really, really from other places. So this A is, is Australia is the fashion startup and the company's called Styletica. And then Joe Casanova is based in Miami um, with, uh, I think his agency is called Creative Connections. Um, really, really interesting to see those two locations, not LA, not New York, um, and also not necessarily straightforward influencers, celebrities. Um, I've seen in the past YouTubers, uh, I guess Fanjoy mainly uses helps YouTubers. So again, really great to see this. Another person that might be interesting for you to check out is um, there was a Q&A with Lee, Grin of, Lee Green of Grin. Um, and in their question and answer, this was very general um, questions about the power of influencer marketing. But there was one section that I really, really liked. And then and and they pointed out that there are five top trends that they're seeing a lot of and expect to continue to see as brands refine their influencer marketing strategies. And the five trends are this. One, shifting from outsourcing influencer marketing to building in-house teams. Uh, two, engaging in long-term partnerships with micro-influencers, uh, aka brand uh, ambassadors. And then <laughs> three, uh, leveraging employees as brand ambassadors. Um I'll get back to number three in a second, but number four was getting creative with repurposing influencer content and five hosting influencer events. So to get back to the third one, so say the second one and the third one are very, very close because they're like brand ambassadors, right? But two, the number two one engaging long-term partnerships with influencers means basically bringing on ambassadors. Um, but three is leveraging employees as ambassadors. Um, I don't necessarily have exact um, um, exact examples of this. So if you're listening and you do do this, you leverage employees as brand ambassadors, you have a, an anecdote about this, please send it to me. But um, I have seen um, this type of thinking and this type of like idea rolled up. Um, and sort of between the two is... Um, what, I, what is not a trend here, and I do see foresee as a trend moving forward and has been a trend moving in the, back, in the last few couple of years, is identifying buyers who are influencers and bringing them on and making them power users, basically. Um, but creating that program that a current buyer all, that already is an influencer or a highly um, influential person on social media to step up their game. Um, 
Yeah, and, and the fifth one actually is really interesting to me too, hosting influencer events. I wonder where where that's going to go. Um, you know, it's that doesn't sound like it's just um, sponsoring VidCon. It sounds like it's, um, you know, creating unique uh, events where influencers can be interactive, involved, or in some way. Um, and we'll see. I, I love all these trends and hope to see more of them. So the big three things that were like taken – uh, that I took away from this week's uh, news. Um, one, you already you already heard it was the uh, fashion startup that's repping influencer brand, Styletica. The other one was um, monk fluencers. Um, and I don't really know if this is a positive or a negative or a meh thing, but basically monk-themed influencers are, uh, and this article sort of puts them all together, are a subset of social media stars that are growing in size and popularity. They combine trends that are already popular. So these include well-being, um, productivity, meditation, mindfulness, and what this article considers the Western interest in Eastern healing practices. So that's yoga, turmeric, lattes. And it's wrapping all of these into a single personality or lifestyle. Um, the, the monkfluencers are those who aren't necessarily considered one thing. They're not a yogi. They're not a meditation influencer. They are a holistic healer lifestyle uh, creator. Um, I think, let me sort of get this off my chest, is over the last three to four years, I've heard the the, the uh, key term lifestyle creator or lifestyle um, um, influencer, and I just... I always recoiled at that because that didn't really mean anything. This is this when I say lifestyle creator or lifestyle influencer, we really mean it. It really means like this particular lifestyle, not just life. It's not just a vlogger. It is actually a he, the healing practices, combining all these healing practices, and hopefully, hopefully, people who are watching these and actually being influenced by these and who are creating these are honest. Um, I think over the past five to 10 years, I've seen um, online content that's very uh, negative to actually people, but it's, it's wrapped in this like positivity uh, idea. And it, it actually causes a lot of, and they'll always get like sued for like bad practices and like medical advice that's like not really good. Um, so I, I do see some good and bad in this, but I do see ultimately um, this was posted after I sent out the newsletter, but also um, after VidCon, um, Phil Ranta, um, which I it might end up in this next week's newsletter, it, uh, expressed his his interest in the fact that creators are no longer in a single theme, in single themes or genres or niches. Um, and this monkfluencer is a really good example of that. Is there is no particular interest that you can say they do all of their videos in, and it is yes, around some type of living, um, but it includes mindfulness, meditation, productivity, all these things that, you know, three years ago, you would need to find like the top 10 productivity creators. Really, really interesting. And I love I love seeing more of these types of um, trends and, and, and encompassing articles that pull together themes into one article. Really cool. Um, last thing we're gonna talk about is a new report by InfluencerDB found that Instagram influencer engagement has been steadily dropping globally since 2016. So Instagram influencers have seen their engagement rates now hover near all-time lows. 
and this is the average, right? The engagement rate for sponsored posts fell to 2.4% in Q1 2019 from 4% three years earlier, while the rate for non-sponsored posts, which that sounds terrible, right? But wait, (laughs) the non-sponsored posts slid from 4.5% three years ago to now 1.9%. So two big takeaways is if your engagement is down, everyone's is. So like you want to over-index for that or see your benchmark. Um, But also, I was surprised to see that um, essentially sponsored posts had half of a percent more engagement than non-sponsored posts um, on average. And I wonder why, because I actually have the idea that like sponsored posts should essentially get better than your normal rates, but I never saw that in like data wise. Um, So this was, that was really interesting um, to me. And so hopefully you, you got some interesting takeaways from this uh, episode of Influence Weekly, The Takeaway. Um, Thank you for joining me on this journey of learning more and more about all the stuff that's happening in influencer marketing across the board between influencers, agencies, marketers, brands, and out there at conventions. Um, Hope you had a great VidCon if you are VidCon. Hope you have a great week. And tell me if you're using any of this data because I love to hear um, great stories of how you're doing out there in the workplace. Thank you and stick around uh, later this week. We may have another um, another viewpoint of this newsletter from an agency themselves, from inside the agency um, called Talking Points. Um, check for that later this week or next week. Um, have a great one. Bye.